0: Hello again. My name is Anne-Marie Zanzel, and welcome to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Stories. I am an ordained minister, bereavement counselor, conversationalist, spiritual wanderer, later in life lesbian, change maker, blogger, author, mom of four beautiful children, wife to my lovely wife, Tonda McKay, a northerner living in the South and trying to figure it all out. I share the stories of people who are coming out later in life to the LGBTQIA community and other queer stories. These stories are compelling, heartbreaking, joyful, and inspirational. I started this podcast because we need to normalize exploration and sec- of sexuality and gender at all ages, plus visibility is vital to the queer community. It's never too late to be who we are created to be. My guest proved that. Today, I'm very excited to have with me two wonderful women who do a lot of work in our community, Ash France and Dawn Noble. They are a couple and I would love to tell you about them. Ash is a somatic practitioner who works one-on-one with queer women who are coming out later in life and are longing to create secure relationships as they identify and heal unhealthy relationship patterns. Ash is originally from Oklahoma and recently got engaged to Don Noble after moving to Oregon last year. Dawn Noble is an LGBTQ plus relationship specialist that is trained in a, psychobio, me, a psychobiological approach to couples therapy and currently works with queer couples, showing them how to build secure and lasting relationships in her Queer Couples Mastery, mastery Program. Dawn and Ash are the hosts of the podcast Queer Couples Conversations. Where she and her fiance Donna talk all things queer relationships and how to build one that can last. Queer Couple Conversations drops today. I think it's June 26th. So please listen, follow, rate, and review. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hi, ladies. It's nice to have you here today. Welcome. Oh, hi, Anne-Marie. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know, when you give somebody a speech impediment and have them say queer race relationship. <laughs> that is very challenging. I can't, do my, I can't do the double R thing at all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll have to think about that.
0: <laughs> so. It is so nice to hear have you here. Um uh the three of us met on social media. Mm. We each saw what each other was doing basically on Instagram and that's how we got connected with each other. Um, Donna uh reached out to me oh probably a year, year and a half ago, and this is the first time we've ever actually done something together. So I'm pretty excited mm. about that. Mm. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you the question that I ask all my uh guest and so and one of you can choose tell me your story <laughs> mm-hmm. so I want you to tell me your story as individuals first and then yeah the our-
2: yeah uh, this is Donna um, I um, just for your listeners yeah. <laughs> um, I I was raised Mormon I'm one of 13 kids um, you know raised in a very conservative home um, I'm number four at the top um, and yeah, my journey has been through, like, leaving the church was a process at 17. Um, I knew I was gay from the first feeling of attraction. I think I was around six or seven. Um, um, and just kind of keeping this secret to myself, you know, for, for decades, um, ended up leaving Mormonism. Um, that was kind of a coming out in itself, you know, of leaving the church in the process of relationships and finding another community where I belonged. And so that kept me kind of to myself, almost closeted even longer. Um, and I ended up joining a non-denominational Christian community. I was a, became a um, worship leader at a Bible school for the next 10 years, where I led mission trips to all over Africa mm-hmm. um, along the whole way. So, um, in love with my best friends. I mean, we know the, the stories, but, you know, really holding the line throughout the whole thing. Um, I ended up coming out, um, at 30, um, after going through a major, um, loss of one of my closest friends, um, who, who died, um, trusting that God would save her, unfortunately. Um, and just going through something really hard, it made me assess my life in a really sobering way that I, I couldn't continue to move past. Um, you know, I I'd, I'd secretly watched the L word and then asked God to forgive me. You know, <laughs> um, um, but ended up, you know, um, I had my first sexual encounter with a woman at uh, eight, 17 as a senior in high school. And it opened my whole world. I knew that's what I wanted to do, but it was a secret. Um, And then, you know, leaving Mormonism, joining this Christian church, I devoted myself to to God and to, to just, you know, accepting that I would just love a man, marry a man and not love him, but I could do it if I respected him enough um so for the next 10 years no nothing with a woman no conversation about it other than to confess you know to me the feelings you know um but ended up yeah coming out at 30 um and just telling everybody like there's no there's no option other option for me this is what I'm doing I was very clear I wasn't asking permission anymore um I knew it would come with a cost I didn't I didn't realize how much it would cost me, how many friendships it would cost me. Um, but um, yeah, ended up um, m- meeting a, a girl on um, Face uh, Tinder. Um, we met and got married within the year um, and ultimately ended up in a pretty, um, pretty terrible, unexpected divorce. Um, which we'll get into, you know, around that piece. But that's kind of like that outline. Um, I got into my primary um, training was actually in women's health care as a as a midwife. Um, I did that for almost 10 years and then became obsessed with um, psychology, human behavior, attachment, and specifically around relationships. And um, I've been doing that full time for the last five
0: years. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you when you... Did you do a mission trip and all that? Did you do mission work when you I were? I did. As a Mormon? Did Not you... as a Mormon. Okay.
2: Yeah, but as a Christian, um, I, I right. did. Yeah, yeah, lots of mission trips.
0: And what is your relationship with your family today?
2: Um, It's, it is better than it's ever been. Good. Um, and it's been a process for sure. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, Every relationship is being repaired, you know, at, in this time, but um, everybody wants a relationship and we're learning how to do that amongst our differences mm-hmm. and with lots of boundaries. Um, but yeah, it's really good, actually. It's really beautiful mm-hmm. um, to see it how it's developed um, over the years, but it's taken about, you know, 15, 20 years almost to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Ash, what about yeah. you? Yeah. How about me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. I am the oldest of three and my story isn't so much, um, you know, steeped in religion. Mm -hmm. Although I did, I was raised Methodist Mm -hmm. um, and very involved with the church as I was growing up. But mine was more so, um, well, I came out at 26 Mm -hmm. um, and it took that long for me because I was, there was, I was steeped in heteronormativity. Right. And so this belief that there was one way to be, one way to show up. And as the oldest child, I felt compelled to fulfill this role, to be that child that I knew my family wanted and expected me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was also the sin aspect for me as a kid growing up. Um, and, you know, a lot of denial around the feelings that were coming up from my friends um, and kind of my own internal self-punishment that happened anytime I had a thought or feeling about a friend.
0: So where do you think you got this? Was it, as you said, it wasn't really steeped in religion because what I talk about a lot with my clients is that you know, there's like all these seeds that get planted and they're very, very small little seeds. Like yeah. you know, dad will call out a gay person on TV and say something negative. Yeah, yeah. There'll be a gay person on um, the block and all the kids will make fun of it or of their house or them or something like Yeah. That. So what was it for you?
1: So there was a lot of that. I grew up in a really small town in Kansas. And so there was that, there was the homophobia that was present. Um, But one of the most vivid early childhood memories um, was around when Ellen DeGeneres was coming out, Rosie O'Donnell. And I remember standing, I was around like somewhere around third grade and uh, third, fourth grade. And I was downstairs in the basement watching the TV, the news about Ellen coming out. And I looked up at my grandma who was next to me and I said, what, what's gay? Mm -hmm. And, she just shook her head and she said, it's just too bad. It's, it's too bad. Mm -hmm. And so I knew at that moment, right. I was already connecting the dots as a little kid, watching the TV, seeing what's happening, but asking for clarity. And then the response is knowing that it's bad, right? Like that is not what I want. Yeah. That's not what I want to be. And then as I was growing up, it, it, I was confused. I was in a small town and there was nobody, right? Nobody who was out in my small town. And the only representation for queer community or queer people that I had was the Ellens of the world, right? And so I would look at that and think, well, I don't look like Ellen, you know, I don't present in that way. So I can't be gay, right? That was my belief as a kid, which again, I think speaks to why queer representation is so necessary and important, right. To see the variety of what queer can be. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so I spent much of my life, um, avoiding even being with the thought of it and where religion comes in or God comes in is my big fear was around even thinking about it because I knew at that time in my life, you know, God can read my thoughts God knows what I'm thinking. And so I can't even consider this, right? So I really, I I dove into relationships with boys. And as I got older, and eventually got married. And I loved the man that I married, I cared for him. Um, But I was also deeply questioning my sexuality at that time, and truly believed truly believed that the thoughts, the urges would go away after I got married. Mm-hmm. I, that was going to be the thing that healed me. I'd, we'd have kids, we'd have this beautiful life and it would be fine. Um, and, uh, gosh, about six months into our marriage, I met a woman who I worked with. I worked at a bank at the time mm-hmm. and we became friends and Over the course of the next year, year and a half, it became more than that. Uh, We became emotionally involved and she eventually became my catalyst for why I felt like I needed to come out, it had to happen. And um, my husband at the time, he found out and asked me is what's going on. And I told him, and which was a heartbreaking experience to move through the whole of it um and he was pretty determined to make it work after that even though i was at the space where i was saying i am gay like this is who i am this is where i'm headed i want to explore more of this um which was really hard for him and i was also continuing on with the relationship with my catalyst and the woman I was engaged in an affair with. Mm -hmm. And so it was particularly rough. I was losing community, um, quickly within the church. I was still very involved with, with the church, um, multiple churches really at that point with the town that I was in, Um, and losing friends, family, of course, questioning, do we know you? Although my immediate family was fairly supportive of me at that time. Um, But yeah, so he and I eventually, um, after the divorce became finalized, I went no contact with him Mm -hmm. and um, continued on with the relationship with my catalyst. And eventually we got married. And so we were together for a little over seven, seven and a half years altogether married for about a year
2: you and the catalyst
1: yeah me yeah. and the catalyst yeah um and that's when dawn comes into the picture <laughs> that's when our stories kind of collide
0: what i hear uh, with both of your stories you each had a catalytic event yeah person, and I talk about this a lot, is that people have like a catalytic event, like Ash, you had something, excuse me, Dawn, you had something happen with a friend of yours that sort of all of a sudden said, oh my goodness, I can't live my life this way. And mm-hmm. and like a lot of people, Ash, some, a lot mo, a lot of people meet somebody and they start mm-hmm. to fall in love and
1: mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that.
0: And I also hear that same thing. A lot of husbands, when you're getting divorced, they're like, hey, we can stay. When you come out to them, they're like, hey, we can stay married. And it's like, no, No. you can't. Yeah. Then it becomes a mixed orientation marriage, which people do. Yeah. But it opens up a whole nother can of worms of like that and and Mm -hmm. all those things. So what your husband responded is pretty typical. Yeah. They want to save the marriage and they don't realize that it's that that as gay women we need to be our emotional, physical, spiritual, and intellectual needs are met by another woman. Yes. Even they may be able to meet some of those needs, they're never going to be able to
1: meet those needs. No. Well, yeah, and for myself at that time I knew it's also not fair to him either. I am not able to show up in this marriage, in this relationship, in the way that he deserves right neither neither one of us could meet that need in each other and so I I knew it was clear what had to happen as as excruciating and heartbreaking as it was
0: yes and you know and I think that's another thing is that what you said is very true is that people often like you know they're a lot of women are so guilt-ridden guilt-stricken and a lot of times you know when we say something like you know, your husband deserves to be in a relationship with somebody that can meet their their needs, a mm-hmm. heterosexual woman. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people can do things for somebody else that they can't do for themselves. Yes. So a lot of times people hear that and they say, oh, that's right. And they had never thought about
2: it. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. You know, this is a really big piece that I keep finding that I feel like a lot of us are raised to kind of fall in line mm-hmm. and to not, not, um, make a mess, you know, just, mm. you know, to be, you know, as a child, be quiet, don't be too loud, what, yeah. you know, um, you don't share your, don't share your stuff on, to, in, uh, on Instagram, or on social media, we want to keep the family's name good, you know, all that stuff, but to me, oh, that's, me. That's good. That's good. Go to me, that is the, that's where we end up feeling so stuck, is because, we would rather suffer and make sure everybody else is comfortable than to make a mess, you know, right. to blow up our lives in a way to be able to get it. And I think that's what people need to start seeing mm-hmm. is that people are making these really uncomfortable decisions and going after what they want. But there's this thing about being selfish or, or hurting someone. And it mm-hmm. isolates us mm-hmm. to where we can't make any decision and we live a life. Where we're in this functional relationship, but not one of connection and intimacy in the way we know we could have.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. so, you two got you all met. How did you meet? And <laughs> um, and and let's talk about that. Um, and and yeah, how did you meet? And and I'd
1: love to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, gosh, this is like August of. 2020 so not long you know we're a couple months into covid at this point my ex-wife and i we were looking for um more connection We, we were so closed off to social connection at that point and uh moving through um some issues within the family uh we had family who was not accepting not affirming of our marriage they didn't show up to the wedding and so my ex-wife was really moving through some grief around that, um, not really processing it. It was just very present. Um, was well, she new to the whole being gay and everything? No, she, okay. she'd been out for a while. Okay. Um, so anyway, we ended up finding this group online that on Facebook, it was a Facebook group um, for married couples with, with unaccepting family. Um, queer married couples with unaccepting family and I thought wow this is incredible that this exists and there was a lesbian couple that were you know they were the admins and so I thought let's join this group this is community so we did that um, and it was Dawn and Dawn's ex-wife who were the admins of the group mm-hmm. and so um, at some point my ex-wife she connected with we'll Dawn's call, ex we'll call it yours is L, L. and mine is H. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> Ash, my ex-wife L and for Dawn, her yeah. ex-wife H. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: Make it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It can sound really confusing, um, but L and H, they kind of engaged in conversation in this group over a um, shared trauma um, that they could relate on. And anyway, H ended up looking for some sort of um, creative project she was wanting to do and wanted to brainstorm asked for volunteers. I volunteered, me and my ex-wife. And so that's how the three of us connected initially. We hopped on Zoom. Um, My ex-wife and I were the only ones who showed up and Dawn wasn't there, which I thought was kind of odd, but also no big deal. These things happen. So anyway, the three of us started forming a friendship after that and on social on socials yeah on socials and then we met up and did another zoom call together um and yeah it's very interesting because dawn throughout that time as we were becoming friends um h just made it sound like dawn's busy dawn doesn't like my friends usually so that's why she's not showing up to these things it kind of made dawn out to be um, an unsocial person. Yeah. And just kind of, kind of like, she's not an enjoyable person, it's just very contrary to who you are. But anyway, um, yeah. And so we ended up going to my ex-wife and I ended up going to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. We were, we were living in Oklahoma city at the time. And then we went to St. Louis to visit H and also Don, mm-hmm. um, And I don't know, you can chime in at any point, if you want to share where you're at with this at this point.
2: Yeah. Um, at the time, my, uh, my wife at the time and I were working with couples, we were doing couples work. We had a podcast together, helping couples. Um, and so that was our world. So we had kind of this, you know, very clear agreement. So I think one conversation that a lot of us are having is how do you have relationships with, with the same sex, you know, with, um, Mm -hmm. And so we just had agreements around that, how we're gonna handle that. Um, and so I noticed this intensity around her phone in a way that she could be right in the room, but I couldn't access her. Um, and she just would just perseverate on, on this new relationship. And, and the quote that we kind of laugh about now, that uh, we both were being told is like, Dawn, they're my best friends, but, but they're my best friend, you know? And my wife at the time was really wanting community and very lonely. We had just moved to St. Louis and, you know, um, and so when she found them, connected with them, it was like, I was so excited for her. Like I was like, awesome, I can't wait to meet them. But then as the intensity picked up, I didn't, I started noticing this, we're crossing some lines here, something isn't quite right. Um, And so there was just resistance from the beginning of the relationship. And she continued to communicate that it was the two of them that she was connecting with, not one specifically. Um, so anyways, they ended up coming um, to St. Louis. Uh, we ended up all meeting for an evening. Um, and then after that, after that initial meeting, they were just there for the evening mm-hmm. and then went back home. Um, things just got turned up, they. Got turned up, um, and then over, within two weeks or so, or well, I don't know the timeline. Pretty soon, within a month, within a month, yeah. Um, um, we both woke up on the same day. Ash and I, different states, woke up, and they both told us,
1: um, "We we think we want a divorce." Um, both of us were very. We had no like a friendship had been formed between myself and my ex-wife and H. um, But I had no clue this was going on in their marriage. And Don apparently had no clue what was happening. So it was wild. And, and the whole time, you know, as they're becoming, you know, the three of us would talk in a group message group text, but then L and H had their own thread. um, And Again, yeah, th- throughout, you know, after seeing Louis. So Dawn, Louis. you were not
0: part of this, like the conversations or anything like
1: that. At that point. I wasn't? I was ash-
0: of, no, Dawn.
1: Oh, Dawn. Yeah, no, she wasn't. No, yeah. no,
2: no. It, 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 it was her friendship that she had kind of isolated me in the way she communicated to me, about me to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, yeah, it wasn't threatening until you know, the intensity started picking up, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: but, um, and then at that point, um, as a couple, we had these agreements that she was not, that she was breaking consistently breaking. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't want them to be a part of our life. It was just, um, um, yeah, but they, they ended up telling us on the same day, but it wasn't, Hey, I have feelings for this other person and I just can't continue. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, that, you're not the best partner, you know, we're not compatible, you know, that you, you know, what I, you know, we were both getting the same.
0: So it was, um, quote unquote, all your fault. Yeah,
1: Yeah. they, they definitely, they put the blame on us or on, you know, past issues that we'd had all of a sudden that were too much, right. They, it's just too much. I can't deal with this anymore. I I don't think I can stay in this. Um, And throughout this time is, you know, watching their friendship evolve, both of them said would use, you know, she's my very best friend. And it was very intense. (laughs) And anytime I would question, you know, the intensity of the relationship, where things were headed, I would be told it's not what you think you're crazy. Um, This is she's, just my very best friend. Um, <laughs> so we were both lied to consistently the whole time, even when we would check in on what was going on. And so there was gaslighting and manipulation um, happening throughout that period, which was very confusing. Okay. So, yeah.
0: So you guys are told you want wanting, you know, you're, you're yeah. your partner's want to get a divorce. Yep. And you really don't know each other. Because you were sort of, even though you sort of knew each other, you, you were still, Don. You were still kept at a distance at Ash and her former wife, just because of the way it yes. was set up. So, when did you start talking and like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, we had um, um, H, my my wife at the time, had created this story. She had told me that that Ash was a part of it. That it was the two of them.
1: Like a throuple like a, situation. Like
2: something might be happening yeah. there. And so I had, she was the enemy to me. I was, there was no way I was gonna build a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, we all ended up separating and going our own ways. Um, I moved back to Oregon. Ash ended up getting her own place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for a couple months, we were under this impression that it was just because of the we weren't compatible. Right. And then, um, I was under the impression that H was going to be developing a relationship with them. And I was so like that level of grief, it, you can't communicate. I I would find myself in the grocery store, holding a basket, knowing that I, I think I should be putting food in here, but I didn't know how to move. Like
1: Mm -hmm. I couldn't
2: function. And Mm so so much grief, and so I ended up looking at her story on Instagram just to see if H was um, there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never looked before, and then because of that, for for Ash, that kind of gave her permission in her world to reach out and check in on to, to like see how I was doing.
1: Yeah, I had been wanting to reach out to Dawn, and again, both of them worked throughout this period to distance Dawn and I so that we wouldn't communicate or connect. Um, but and I'd been willing to talk to her. I learned that they were moving through a divorce and a few weeks prior, and I wanted to reach out, but then I didn't want to meddle and throw myself into this whole situation. And anyway, so I saw her, um, that she had seen my story and I felt like that was a green light to reach out and ask, how are you? I heard you're going through this divorce. I'm going through it too. I know what this is like. How are you doing? which she was bamboozled <laughs> to say the least, because as far as she knew, I was in a thruple <laughs> so, with her ex-wife. And so that's when we, um, she, we started kind of like connecting these pieces. And she asked if she could call me and we hopped on the phone for five hours. I
0: bet. I was going to say, how long was that first conversation?
1: Oh, in? we were we were on the phone. And so I think it was like 5 a.m. my time in Oklahoma.
0: I can imagine both of you were stunned.
1: Like, yeah, stunned. it w- could not believe it. Um, and I had, you know, Dawn informed me of a conversation that H&L had before we went to St. Louis, where they were already saying, hey, there's something here between us. And we don't want to knock the dominoes down, um, which I had no clue about. But anyway, so yeah, it was shocking. And Oh, do you want to
2: this? I want to just read the first message (laughs) here that we sent to each other. Okay, this, I was believing that Ash was was the enemy. Like, and so it makes me laugh about this. But she wrote me and said, Hey, Don, I noticed that you saw my story. How are you doing? And I was like, Why is she reaching out to me Why, you know, like I was very shocked in the moment. And so this is my response to the person that I don't like. (laughs) Hi there, Ash. Appreciate your kind question. (laughs) I'm a little hesitant to answer and be vulnerable after everything. Would it be all right to ask why you're asking? And she just went in to say, like, I, I just heard that you guys are getting divorced too. And I'm like, what? You're getting divorced? (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, so that how, yeah. that just like started this whole thing. Yeah. Um,
0: and it sounds like it also maybe taught a lesson of like being willing to talk to someone and to listen to someone because sometimes what we assume about them yeah. isn't true.
2: Yeah. And yes. You yeah. Know,
0: and you like realized, oh wait a minute, I'm thinking all this stuff about Ash, and actually none of it's true. And right. so yeah. It's true you were both of you were willing to be vulnerable yeah. Ash was willing to be vulnerable and say hey don how you doing yeah and you were like saying okay little, <laughs> i don't know if i trust you but i will see what's up yeah 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 and then when you heard that you were both getting divorced you're like okay wait a minute this is so yeah like, i
2: couldn't yeah we couldn't wrap our heads around what was going on yeah. and putting the pieces together was um you know there was so much relief in it that it made sense now
0: so and this is say why there's why did you say there was relief because mm. it
2: didn't make sense to me the way that like things happened and the way that i had experienced my wife at the time it not, it wasn't lining up right. like there's something and then you know it's crazy making and and how things were going so instead of it like it like enraging me i actually felt relief like, yeah okay
1: and gotcha. It was the same for me too. That sense of relief. It felt mm-hmm. like we gave each other the gift of truth and honesty that we had been longing for, for months mm-hmm. at that time, we didn't connect mm-hmm. until two months after the separation. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that whole period we were under the belief that it's our fault, why our ex is left. And that, um, even though I would, you know, ask my ex wife or, you know, push like the idea of, there's got to be something happening here yeah. and I was told no you're crazy that's ridiculous Same. and then so to get the truth that we thought that we had a hunch on yeah it was it felt like freedom yeah I mean oh, well, I like the way you said that we offered each other truth we did yeah but
2: my ex was a, um, a mental health therapist so she knew how to work people
1: yeah so fortunately yeah
0: and so let ask you a question since you both work with couples now Mm -hmm. and that's you know and you're both passionate about that Mm -hmm. when somebody comes to you and and maybe they're a single at this point and they say Mm -hmm. oh it's all my fault all my fault that this marriage broke up or this relationship broke up
1: what do Mm -hmm. you say to them oh my goodness (laughs) we start with a lot of compassion we start with compassion and holding that space for themselves and that this is not your fault, right? You are discovering these things too, right? As you're coming out and learning these things about yourself, this this may be as new to you as it is to them, right? Not always the case, mm-hmm. but but we have to hold compassion for ourselves for where we are right now to be able to move forward. And also take responsibility for the parts that are ours to own, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a balance there. You don't need to, to sometimes we harm ourselves right because we we think that we need to beat ourselves up to feel better um when that's not that's going to perpetuate Mm -hmm. perpetuate the issue at hand
0: so so i know you both work with couples and i know ash you also really work with women coming out later in life too and dawn do you do the same thing like women coming out later in life who are navigating like sometimes their first queer relationship
2: no, I, I solely work with couples. Ash, Ash just works with individuals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we're integrated
0: you don't, counsel, you don't counsel people together then.
2: No, no no no. I, no. Got it. Yeah, no. we're separate um, in that sense. Yeah.
0: Yep. okay. So I've got a bunch of questions. So, <laughs> so Don, what are some of the what are some of the struggles you see with queer couples? What are what are you know what are, some of the problems that people exhibit and how do they try to solve them? And where is that family?
2: You know, I think a lot of ways, any type of relationship, any, you know, gay, straight, queer, trans, you know, it's across the board a universal thing that relationships are diff- can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like a queer couple goes, and a majority of them, they enter it in a way that they're isolated as a couple. They're not celebrated as much. And mm-hmm. also because it's this like thing they've longed for for so long. And some have like us, we lost our community to, to have this. And we, it's hard to like, it's a two part thing where you're doing something for yourself. And then you also get a person along with it mm-hmm. that you don't really know that well. But the process is sped up because you've wanted this for so long, and you've lost everything to have it, and so you cling to it more, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's intense. I mean, there's a reason why we all move in so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going away.
0: Well, and I also find, too, that especially with the first queer relationship people have, mm-hmm. um, that that person is a tie to their own queer identity,
2: yeah yes that's a great way to put that
0: if i lose that like my wife and i when we were first together because um i I, like i was thinking of like you know we we struggled our first couple years and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and um i remember thinking to myself is that like if i lose her or if i break up with her because of all the stuff i was going through that had really nothing to do with her Mm -hmm. but because um, I was getting divorced, I, all the things you mentioned—isolation, divorce, mm-hmm. stuff, people yeah. being angry at me—all those things. I've, yeah. I've done that all. Um, that I remember thinking to myself: if I lose her, then like I know I'll be losing a piece of my queer identity. And at that point, I said, "I can't do that.
2: Just—I've yeah.
0: lost so much already. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose that right now." And mm. so, um, it was really a conscious choice on my part. To mm. do that. And we've talked about, she, all, everything I'm saying here, she knows. So yeah. you know, <laughs> we've talked about this all. And, and it's really important thing is that often that first queer relationship is so tied to who we are becoming.
1: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Oh, I love that you spoke to that, Amory. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. yeah, that really resonates with me too, in my own story. Yeah, yeah. That's
2: the one reason Ash and I have have actually integrated our work together and we're finding it to be much more effective because, you know, it's like the chicken or the egg. We get so many, I get so many people saying, should we start with individual work or couples work first? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we've integrated where Ash is meeting with them individually and giving them these skills where they can regulate, where they can ask those radically hard questions um, and then I'm working with them as a couple and it's, it's been really
1: supportive in those oh, aspects.
0: Wonderful. That's actually, uh, uh, that's wonderful. That is it's very, it's really
1: been, it's been pretty incredible. Yeah. Like the work that we've been able to do there. Mm-hmm. I, I tell my clients that the depth of connection that we can have with mm-hmm. others reflects the depth of connection that we have within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big reason why this work is, I believe so necessary The the individual work along with the couple's work um part of what dawn does is she teaches couples how to become experts on one another and so to become an expert on yourself right so we can help our partner to become an expert on us is just a huge uh step up it's a leg up and i'm trying to discover that so um it's beautiful work
0: yeah and i and i can see that you know getting people in touch with who they are yeah it is much more it is very effective in couples counseling because mm. they're able to ask what they need and what mm-hmm. they want in mm-hmm. the relationship yeah. and a lot of times couples just sort of they have all the good bones but they mm-hmm. just sort of miss each other yeah sometimes yeah, they just, yeah. So love there but sometimes because of trauma because of past relationships and you know Tanda and I've talked about this a lot too, is that, so my wife and I are both in our late 50s now, and um, she she came up as a young lesbian because she didn't have the benefit of marriage. Like a lot of lesbians her age, she's had probably like five serious relationships. And so one of the things which has been detrimental to the queer community is that when things aren't working out, you just say, okay, let's pack it in. Mm -hmm. You know, while people who have the benefit of heteronormative life, when you're married to somebody, you're much more likely to put the effort in to repair Mm -hmm. the relationship, figure out what's going on, Mm -hmm. um, and and, and sort of navigate all those changes. But when people have been in a life in which they haven't had the privilege of those things, they often don't know how to do that.
2: Oh. Yeah. There's so many couples that break up prematurely mm-hmm. that, that don't mm-hmm. need to. And that's a big part of the work that I do is right. You both are coming with a history and that's loaded and we all have trauma, whether it's big T trauma or little T, but now that is going to be activated. The more committed you become, we think we're going to have more security when really it activates us more and those old wounds, those old attachment styles start flaring. Mm -hmm. And so showing couples how to co-regulate together, Mm -hmm. um, where I, in my sessions, I actually have them face each other. Um, so they don't miss cues. I teach them how to read their partner's body. Um, because if we don't, if we don't learn to become an expert of what's going on in our partner's internal world, um, we're going to, that's when we end up in fights, um, when we feel misunderstood and we end up. Um, taking care of ourselves and dropping our partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that's critical. If you want, I really believe if you want a quality relationship, not just to stay together, you have to learn how to care for your partner and yourself at the same time. It's not easy,
1: Anne Marie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we like this is the work that we do, and it's it's not easy, yeah. but it's so worth it. It's it so perfect. worth it. Yeah.
0: So tell me about your podcast.
1: Oh. Uh, love it. We're <laughs> we so, so excited. excited. Yeah. And also, yeah, the first three episodes that are out right now, we're sharing that story of how Dawn and I came together in depth. So this is the abridged version that we <laughs> shared here. But yeah, we're starting with how we came together. And we're really going to be talking all things queer relationships, whether that's queer mm-hmm. sex or um, how to handle I mean, toxic relationships, that's where my work is largely done is around toxic relationships, how to heal from them, recognize what it is if you're in one. Um, but to also talk about co-regulation, um, if you trauma have different repair. trauma repair, if you have different attachment mm-hmm. styles, right. How do you work with that? How do you move through unaffirming family, right? Mm-hmm. Set up bound like what are boundaries? <laughs> mm-hmm. So a lot of that. And then we're also going to include, um, Queer, well, mini sessions um, mm-hmm. that Dawn will be uh, leading there. And oh, so, so... You're gonna,
0: who is this?
1: Esther Perel. Yeah. Esther yeah. Perel. Perel.
0: You're going to be the next one. Dawn. That's cool... that <laughs> is go. the goal. There we
2: go. You just hit the spot in my heart.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> lit her up, Anne Marie. She is <laughs> the
2: picture on my phone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, so Esther Perel,
0: what I love about her is that she does, like, she's, like, even in the beginning, first season, she had queer couples on it. Yeah. It was really nice. And I'll never forget the first one. It was a queer cup that I, like, listened to. It, um, it was a, a, a lesbian couple. And, like, one of them was the stay-at-home mom. And
1: was, yeah. It was
0: all, like, it was, it, it was all the same thing, you know, that, like, a heteronormative, I mean, a heteronormative couple. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was like, you know, she wasn't feeling hurt. She wasn't feeling seen that, you know, and it was like, oh my gosh, she was amazing. I really love yeah, yeah. listening to her. She's mm-hmm. pretty cool, isn't she? Yes, yes. love awesome her. Uh, yeah. yeah. So let me ask you a couple of questions to end our time here today. Yeah. So when you were coming out, did you have a coming out song?
1: Oh my goodness. I, I didn't necessarily have a coming out song, but I, I will say the first time I went to a queer club, um, a queer bar. I walked in, and um, Pharrell, that song "Happy" was out. It had just come out, and I stood there on the dance floor, watching all these beautiful. It's making me even emotional now, thinking about it. But I watched all these beautiful queer people on the dance floor, and fill this room, and the song "Happy" was playing, and I was just crying all, at a bar, <laughs> like. But it was the first time, you know, after after I had come out where I was surrounded by this community of people who I could identify with for the first time, like really felt seen. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, I don't really have a coming out song, but happy that Pharrell mm-hmm. song was, that's I don't actually, know, that stands out.
0: Well, that's a perfect stuff song, right? <laughs> yeah. you are yeah. making the moves you needed to do to be able to become who you are
1: now? Yeah.
0: So, yeah. yeah. And how about you, Don?
2: I cannot remember. I don't think I, you know, I didn't even have a phone when I came out. I didn't, I didn't have a phone cell phone until I was 30. Uh, so I, I wasn't listening to really anything at the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I know oftentimes people who are in very conservative Christian cultures often have a very much alternative universe. I had some friends here this weekend and, and the woman in that was um, raised independent Baptist and um, so you know the sort of like the Duggars, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but not quite. And um, like she's like she's like in her early forties now, and she was saying that like she misses like the cultural things, like she she has to ask people all the time, like. Mm. And it was funny that she drove. We went to Pride together, and she drove me to Pride uh, to the parade, and she had Michael Jackson Jackson on, and it was sort of funny because I was like, oh, this is old time stuff, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, I love that. Any books or movies that changed your life? That, mm. Like, really changed your perspective on things?
1: For me, um, for a period of time, I was really trying to reconcile my uh, faith and, you know, how can I be queer and be in relationship with God? Um, I've since gone through deconstruction and not in that space anymore, but. A book that really just shifted and altered my life at that time was Vicki Beeching's book, Undivided, mm-hmm. um, where she talks about her journey through Christianity and um, navigating her queer identity. And it just, it brought me peace during a time that I was really struggling with who I was. And um, so yeah, that book was,
0: it made you realize something was possible
1: yes yeah. it, it opened up another door of possibility in my life mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. yeah that that book was particularly moving for me yeah.
0: john how
2: about you yeah the book that stands out for me um it's actually a christian-based book but it's called the irresistible revolution by shane claiborne mm-hmm. um that he was just a radical you know yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah. uh he he worked with Mother Teresa, he, he did these extra, like, extraordinary things, and, and he went against what a lot of people were at the time doing, um, and it just, like, that's how I want to live my life, like, I just got, was inspired by his, um, ambition, mm-hmm.
0: and my evangelical Christian days, I saw him, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had a conference, and it was so funny because they had him and then they had a bro pastor there that like, it was like such a dichotomy. Yeah. <laughs> a bro pastor who was talking about women as cars and Shane Claiborne. It's like, it's like they- Very
2: contrast, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Rob Bell's a big one too. Rob, I don't know if you know of Rob Bell, but he's- Oh he's, yeah,
0: I know Rob Bell. He's been a yeah. big
2: part of like deconstruction and coming out for I think both of us. yeah. yeah.
0: So what's the best part about your life today?
1: Oh my God. Anne-Marie. That's a, that's, that's a big question. I, I feel like so many parts. I love so many parts of my, I love where I live. <laughs> We're in Bend, Oregon. I love who I'm with, Yeah, who I get to love. I, I love the what gosh, what we're both building with our careers and helping people. I mean, this is what, this has been my dream for years is getting to work with people one-on-one like this Mm -hmm. and dig deep and move into the spaces that I have moved through myself. Right. Like, uh, we, it's, I love that. We often will look at each other and just
2: we're just stop what we're doing or just look at each other and like can you believe this is our life <laughs> like this is the best I mean we made a mess along the way in different ways throughout our life yeah. um lost a lot mm-hmm. um rebuilt mm-hmm. but this is the I cannot imagine my life getting better honestly I love every part about it hmm and, yeah, and we had to go through the absolute worst thing that we've ever experienced to, you know, to access this, these parts of ourselves.
0: Well, that's the thing is that mm-hmm. I always say that sometimes, you know, a sunrise and a sunset look very different, and so sometimes that, I mean, excuse me, look very similar. My, mm, album, yeah, mm-hmm. they look very, very similar. And sometimes what we think is the death of something is actually the birth pains of something. Yes and so uh, like my wife talks about it because she was in a 15-year relationship before she was with me and um she says that like she never realized that like she would end up being so much happier in such a different place Mm -hmm. it was the most painful her her
2: yeah her as well
0: it was one of the most painful things she's ever been through and so I guess that's the thing is that like, sometimes that when we think things are really bad, it's really just something new is forming and we shouldn't be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: We live with so much fear. Anne-Marie that's, yeah. I, it
1: makes me think of um, this. After as I was moving through the separation Mm -hmm. with my ex-wife, I I share this on the podcast that I was sitting at the table um, with my mom at her house and, um, or my parents' house. And I was just sobbing so deep in my grief for what I was moving through and losing. And I, I just had this moment of clarity and I paused and I said, you know, for as, as awful as this pain is, I'm grateful for it because I know that for as deep as this pain goes, as this grief goes, I know my joy can go just as high. It's a reflection of how high that joy can go. And I, I look back on that now and I'm like, I really see that and I really feel that because I'm living a life that I can't believe I, I, I get to live. And, and
0: like, so, damn, I'm prophetic.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I was like, what the? What is going on with me?
0: I just love that so <laughs> much. So, I encourage everybody to start listening to Queer Couples Conversations with these mm-hmm. two very smart women as they guide us through. Um, we a couple conversation and how to get along better with our partners. So I'm very mm-hmm. excited that you guys are putting this work out and I can't wait to listen. Um, I will be putting up how you can reach Dawn and Ash up in, uh, all the social media and all the usual places. And I want to thank you both for your time today. It was a nice, it was a great conversation. It was so nice to finally spend some time with you in person. Uh, Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, thank you, Anne-Marie. It feels like we've been just hanging out with a good friend here. So (laughs) This has been really nice. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.